0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and twelve eighty. of the zone. Time to talk Utah football with Kyle Gunther, the former Utah offensive lineman. Kyle, good morning.
1: Gentlemen, good morning. PK, we missed you last week. DJ spoke very glowingly about you, though.
2: Well, you know, I've been working hard, so I needed, with the buys, I needed a day of load management.
1: That's right, that's right.
2: And now I'm back. I, now the, I had my buy. I'm ready for the... Not quite. I don't think we can quite call it the stretch run, but we can call it the basically the crux of the season going forward. You know, hey, look,
1: you you can't make the club in the tub, okay? You got to be out there. If your knees are hurting, take some time off, yeah. you're being like Britton Covey, okay? You're gonna yeah. just evaluate things for a little bit. In fact, uh, I think Britton Covey is the only person in the market. You're taller than.
2: <laughs> in fact, when you think about it. The load that I carry is quite heavy, so I do need to manage the load now and again.
1: Yeah, his name is David James, yeah.
2: Man, that's quite the load. Well, I'm done saying nice <laughs> things about you when you're gone. We're over that.
1: Ooh,
0: me or
2: other? Either one of you, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs>
0: All right, Kyle, I know you've been watching tape trying to figure out Oregon State. They looked really good, but on the other hand, UCLA looked really bad, and Oregon State is 2 and 3. So, how worried should you fans be? What is the threat level of a Pac 12 upset and all the uh, craziness we expect out of this conference?
1: I would say the threat level is very low now you mentioned the most important part there Oregon State looked good last week but it was against UCLA and I've told you guys all year I think UCLA is one of the worst teams in the country they have one of the worst coaches in the country they have one of the worst cultures in the country you're going to be hard-pressed to find a program that's had this long of a, let's call it a losing tradition, even though they've had some up years with Jim Moore, they had a couple of good years here and there, but UCLA is filled with four and five-star recruits, and they cannot play. UCLA is trying to play man coverage in the secondary, and they're getting burned over and over again because Chip Kelly will not adjust his system to his players. He says it very clearly, oh, you know, we have a system here, we know it works. He's arrogant, and it's failing. Now, Oregon State also ran the ball. They had some balance against UCLA, but that's also because UCLA is dreadful. UCLA was down to their backup quarterback. Their starter is not very good. DTR can't throw the ball all that well. He had a nice game against Wazoo. He had the 500-some-odd yards, and I think that was a bit of an anomaly. So Vegas, last I checked, has the Utes favored by 14-and-a-half. Two scores on the road. That's unheard of. This is a huge spread, and the reason is the Utes, they're running for close to 200 yards every single week, even last week with all the backup running backs. The Utes are a bona fide good team. It's the weirdest game I've ever seen what happened with the Utes at the Coliseum against USC, and you obviously can't have ifs and buts and candies and nuts and all this, but if you take away a few plays, a handful of plays that USC made, Utah's dominating that game. The Utes are three plays away from being undefeated and a top-ten team in the country. That's where they are, talent-wise. And they are going to engulf Oregon State. They're going to have to focus then uh, the next three weeks, after Oregon State, are going to be the toughest three weeks, I think, of their entire season, just given the, the weirdness and the talent of Arizona State and Cal. Cal's been a tricky team to figure out, but no, do not read into Oregon State having success against Cal Poly. I know Oregon State bats looked all right against stanford but stanford is not going to be an 11 win team this year stanford had their backup quarterback in so i think oregon state's two wins are going to be about where they're at the rest of the year they might be a three win team when it's all said and done so no i would not read into what oregon state did a week ago the Utes are going to handle oregon state this week
2: So it's an interesting thing that you said that caught my ear as far as the four-star talents that the Bruins have been able to amass, but yet obviously they haven't put it together. I've always believed that talent takes care of itself, and if you've got the talent, that you're going to be successful. So obviously something is askew there, and you talked about one of the worst coaches in being Chip Kelly in that situation. So how much does bad coaching contribute to a team sucking and how much does good coaching attribute beyond the talent to a team being really good?
1: Well, Here's the thing though, is that Bob Toledo, Carl Durrell, Rick Neuheisel, Jim Mora, these guys all can't be idiots. There's got to be something to the culture there, and I'll tell you what I think it is. I think the five-star and four-star kids who are from California, if they really want to ball, at least starting, let's, let's call it in the early 2000s, in the turn of the century, if you were a real baller, you went to USC, or you went to Oregon. You, went to, uh, you, know, you had some options there on the West Coast, but USC's big thing under Pete Carroll was we don't care if you're a senior four-year starter. You could get beat out every week by a freshman, and that weeded out some of the guys that were scared of competition. All the real ballers who wanted to show up and play right away, they, they went to USC because they weren't afraid of competition. At UCLA, there's no competition going on there. No, it's it's guys who want to avoid that competition. They want to have their roles handed to them. UCLA never committed to running the ball. They had this soft culture. They invested in you know Ben Olson is a, 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 the exact embodiment of what UCLA was. Ben Olson was a very good football player. Wanted to play as a freshman at BYU as a five star guy went on his mission and and lost a little bit of weight, went to UCLA, and and he didn't have it physically, but he could make all the throws. His body got beat up a little bit, and UCLA was an average team with above-average talent. It's a culture problem there. It's not Chip Kelly's fault, but I'm telling you, Jim Mora was not a bad coach. Shame on them for moving on from him. L.A. fans have unrealistic expectations, and so that's part of the reason where UCLA has fallen short. But back to your question, P.K., I mean, Urban Meyer didn't show up and recruit a ton of talent. He technically recruited Weddle, but Weddle was a two-star recruit. Uh, Urban Meyer did not win with his own recruits. He won with Ron McBride's recruits. Urban Meyer is an outlier, though. Very few guys can show up and just change a culture. Uh, you know, Gary Anderson didn't do that. Uh, Jonathan Smith is not going to do that at Oregon State. It doesn't happen overnight, but... Oregon State, when the Utes first joined the conference, they were one of the few teams that, were not, uh, that the Utes were more talented then. Oregon State's athletic department revenue and their expenses were low, along with Washington State. So you've got to pay to play, and you've got to pay to get the right guys in there. But Chip Kelly is not the right guy for UCLA. I don't know what they were thinking that was going to turn things around. But also, to go back to Oregon State, it's a really tough place to recruit. The only place slower than Eugene, Oregon, where the Ducks play, is Corvallis. The women are hairy. The traffic lights are long. The winters are long. No one on earth wants to go to Corvallis, Oregon. It's the last place you'd go. If you have any other Pac-12 offer, you'd go elsewhere.
2: The women are Are hairy. hairy.
1: (laughs) I know that firsthand, guys. I went to a couple of Oregon camps. My dad played at Oregon, and I went over to Eugene to try to get myself some women. And uh, I had fun, but man, it's like uh, you ever spilled peanut butter in a shag carpet? I mean, that's what it's like. Heaven forbid your date spills something in her goatee. It's a weird vibe there.
2: A, I was nervous. <laughs> B, you were nervous. <laughs> well, suppose we'll you bring a razor.
1: Yeah, that's true, man. No, it's it's wet. It's damp. People are depressed there. You know, at least in Eugene, the whole town shuts down on game day. Everybody's got their Oregon gear out. You can be intoxicated by that as a recruit. They have all the facilities, but nowadays, you know, think 2001. Everybody's got facilities. But, I mean, how do you get to Eugene? How do you get to Corvallis? You fly into Portland. Then you rent a car. You drive for an hour and a half on a one-lane road. You see the same group of forests throughout... It's a weird place to recruit. Versus when you show up on a recruiting trip to Salt Lake, you can drive through the downtown, through campus. They've got this incredible fan base. It's almost, like a, it's, it's almost like Reno. It's like the world's biggest little city. That's kind of what Salt Lake is. It's a little downtown, but it feels like it's got enough for you, whereas it might as well be New York compared to Pullman, Washington, or Corvallis, Oregon.
0: I agree with that. So I'm uh... – I'm curious here what you would do with Zach Moss this week if, he, would you, if he's mostly healthy but not completely healthy would you keep him out another week would you put him in there because it improves this NFL stock to show NFL people he can play every week but maybe you want him healthier for ASU and Cal even if he's 100% which I guess I'd find hard to believe but if he were 100% would you still hold him out another week to make sure he stays healthy for ASU because you can beat Oregon State without him what would you do?
1: I would hold him out, but I'm not as tough as Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham is probably going to tell him, and I know Zach Moss wants to play. Kyle Whittingham is going to tell him to get out there and, and fire it up and show what you can do. Uh, Zach Moss has said publicly he wants to play. But let's talk about that injury, because I've had what Zach Moss has in his shoulder. And let's face it, it's not a broken collarbone. He didn't tear his rotator cuff. So what else can you do? It's an AC sprain. It's your shoulder joint. It's grade one, grade two, or grade three. If it's a grade three shoulder sprain, you need surgery. He's not having surgery. So it's a grade one or two AC sprain. I've had it. What it does is it makes your shoulder immobile. It makes your shoulder weak for a period of weeks. And the moment, let's say it's been two weeks, you're starting to feel good, maybe you're at 85%. The moment somebody bumps into you on an elevator wrong, it flares back up and you're back down to 50%. Everybody who's had an AC issue has this little lump on their collarbone, kind of their shoulder, that doesn't go away. The more severe the injury, the bigger that lump is. But Zach Moss is tough as nails, but accidents happen. He got, uh, you know, a bunch of guys fell on him at the bottom of a pile because he's a running back. If that happens again, he will re-injure that shoulder. Oregon State is not going to stop Devin Brumfield or uh, uh, they're not going to stop what the with Devontae Henry Cole what the youths were doing, mixing up their run game, even going to Vickers a bit around the edge. The youths are diverse enough in their run game to beat Oregon State. They need Zach Moss healthy for ASU and Cal. So there's a couple of players that I think are in a really unique spot over the next couple of weeks. Zach Moss, he says he wants to play. I would hold him out. Kyle Whittingham said that they got word now on Bam Olaseni, the four-star Juco tackle, and he is eligible to play, but they want to try to redshirt him. So they got to figure out the four games to play him in. Uh, There'll be a better team with Bam at right tackle, and there'll be a better team with Zach Moss at running back. But the youth can beat Oregon State without that. I thought Tyler Huntley played his best game ever as a youth against Washington State. Should have had another incredible touchdown throw to Demari Simpkins early on. I mean, that was just dropped there. But uh, Tyler Huntley found a way to make throws in rhythm from the pocket. He was beating that zone coverage of Washington State. Washington State only really went to man when they went down into the red zone, and Tyler Huntley beat them there. So Oregon State doesn't have the bodies to play much different coverage. So Oregon State's going to sit back into zone coverage, and Tyler Huntley's going to find Samson Nakua again, and, and he's going to be streaking down the field. He's been, even though he's big, he's been very good pressing the middle of the field. Tyler Huntley's been able to throw in between safeties. Uh, and I don't know what Washington State was thinking. There was a couple of times where Washington State... Safeties were breaking on some of the shorter routes because apparently the Pac-12 still doesn't respect Tyler Huntley's deep ball. I would assume he did enough against Washington State, though. That Oregon State's going to be sitting back, covering those deep balls, and then all of a sudden those post routes over the middle or the corner routes that are breaking to the sidelines that are about 15 yards or so. Those are you know mediums uh, plays. Let's call them. They're not an explosive play, but. You you can make some of those intermediate throws there against a team like Oregon State. And I think Tyler Huntley's going to show you a lot of confidence. He's better against zone coverage. But again, teams are only going to man you up if they have to. And and so, you know, other than that, most teams will play zone coverage, and I think Tyler Huntley's going to have some success doing that this week in Corvallis.
2: So I think uh, receivers, you just mentioned a couple of guys and throwing Thompson. We're seeing them emerge a little bit. So I think the loss of Covey can be okay with the receiver core because they seem to be a little bit better combined with Huntley seems to be at the top of his game. How much of a blow do you think it is there? And then I think it might be a little bit more in the punt return team.
1: Britton Covey is so dynamic in the punt return game, and he's inspirational. Remember the hit he took last year? I want to say it was against... USC. Uh, he took a pounding against Washington last year and kept getting up. He's the toughest football player I've ever seen. He is a really unique person and that he's incredibly intelligent. He'll be a coach one day very soon. Uh, so Britton Covey's absence will be felt, but did you guys think he was 100% at any point this year? No. Uh, I mean, Kyle Whittingham confirmed nope. it. He just was not at his best. And so the Utes are going to have to find a way to get guys open like Tamari Simpkins who have that short area quickness who can get out there and do it but man, Brian Thompson has been outstanding at times Uh, I I think Jalen Dixon can play that same role as Britton Covey there Solomon Enos I think is I don't know what he's not doing he doesn't attract enough attention from the quarterbacks or something in practice because I've yet to see Solomon Enos drop a ball every time they throw him at he's open he's making tough grabs so the the thing that the, the team will miss is Britton Covey's leadership uh, he is a an incredible football player, and he's even a, a better human being. He's a world-class athlete. Uh, I, I think he'll sit out for another couple of weeks and then try to figure out where his health is. But so I think it's more of a leadership standpoint of Britton Covey. Who's, he's just the toughest SOB out there.
0: Well, Gunther, you gave us a little bit to work with and chew on here, and uh, you irritated some of our listeners, so you got that going for you. Devin tweets What did I do? Well, Devin tweets happened, at us yeah. this guy and I know Whoa, this guy He's, an Oregon, he's an Oregon guy and he used to work at Channel 2 and he really is hardcore Oregon. I again. hate him. This Gunther dude has no freaking clue what he's talking about. Maybe he should try visiting Eugene and Corvallis sober and his head out of his arse. <laughs> Go Ducks all caps three exclamation points. Yeah, he was probably well, never okay, your, obviously he, he was never listen. your cor- My dad
1: played at Oregon. Yeah, I know. So Look, you know. I was raised to hate Oregon State. And I have been there sober, to answer that person. I went there at 15. I didn't shave. I went to Oregon's four-day camp. I was not even playing varsity yet. I was on the JV team, and they put me in there, and I kicked everybody's ass in front of me that I could. I had a gold chain. I had a bad attitude. I was knocking the snot out of people. I brought my own pads up there. I stayed overnight. It was 15. I was there to ball. I gave everything I had to play for the Ducks. Steve Greatwood was their D-line coach. He played with my dad. I ran a 4-4 shuttle right in front of him. That's the uh, the 5-10-5 drill. I couldn't have been quicker. And Oregon offered Josh to that year. They offered one lineman instead of me. I didn't get the offer. I will never get over it. But, yeah, it is true. Corvallis is terrible. It's wet. And, yeah, Eugene, you tell me. Nobody flies to Eugene. What are you, Tupac? What are you, Puff Daddy? You don't have the money to fly into Eugene. So I can say what I want about the Ducks because I grew up a duck. And I'll be damned. If the beavers are going to ever hear anything nice uh, out of me about them. Uh, Duck off. And that was a beaver pun, sorry, because, you know, beavers damned. Anyway. Yeah, I got it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, Gunther, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, gentlemen. Thank you.